morning, everyone. I invite you to open your Bibles to the book of 1 Peter. 1 Peter will continue our study of 1 Peter this morning, focusing our attention on verse 3 of chapter 1 of 1 Peter. Before we begin this morning, I'd like to take a moment to thank everyone for all of your words of comfort, letters that you have sent, uh, phone calls and text messages that you have sent to me and to my family at the loss of my grandfather. Uh, I know that it might seem repetitive. Uh, indeed, I have lost three grandparents in the last four months. Uh, and this past week, I traveled out to Washington State, where all of my uh, family lives, uh, to, uh, to be a part of the memorial service for my uh, grandfather, for uh, Doc Weber, as he was known in his community. I told Pastor Ron that there was no need to cancel service last week just because I was out of town, but uh, we went ahead and canceled anyway. So, um, so we are uh, back in First Peter now in verse three, not missing uh, a beat here. Uh, and as um, Pastor Shane uh, alluded to in his time with the young disciples, we'll be talking about living a life that is not marked by complaint but one that is marked by blessing the Lord. So hear now the word of the Lord in the book of 1 Peter, starting in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen Him, you love Him. Though do you not now see Him, you believe in Him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. This is God's holy word for us, His people. Let us pray. Father, we come to you this morning believing your word that says all flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. We pray this morning that we would place our hope fully on the word that remains forever. And that you might give us faith and the grace to lay it up in our hearts and practice it in our lives. We pray it in Christ's holy name. Amen. It is just so easy to complain. And sometimes it feels really good to complain. We love to do it. 
And we love to do it about just about anything. We can complain about the weather. We complain about the length of stoplights. We complain about the government. We complain when the government shuts down. We complain about money. We complain even about other people complaining. With the advent of social media, the skids of complaint have only been greased. If we found it easy to complain face to face, Facebook has made it ten times easier to complain. From the comfort of your own living room, you can object, criticize, remonstrate, and outright protest against the world and all of its injustices against you. The price of gas, the time you spend waiting for fast food, the medical community. You complain about Mondays, even though just you had a day of rest on Sunday. It's easy to complain. And as we get to know the situation of the people to whom Peter is writing, we can imagine that more than us, they had reason for complaint. For they were living in a world that was not merely antagonistic to the Christian faith, but outright hostile. The Christians of the first century were not just elect exiles, but they were persecuted exiles. Unwanted spiritual foreigners. Traitors to the empire who followed another king than Caesar. Traitors to their family faith who followed another god than the gods of paganism. I think that the day-to-day pressure and struggle of living as an exile could easily lead to a disposition of complaint. I see it even today with Christians who look to the future and see only hardship. They perceive every misfortune or mistake as a slight against them or an omen of terror to come. The reality of our exile status has caused us to live in a state of complaint. However, in our text for this morning, the Apostle Peter calls the church, the elect exiles of the Lord, not to complain in their exile, but rather to bless the Lord for their exile. Look at the first half of verse 3. There it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again. You see, we are born as citizens of this world, completely at home and comfortable with what Peter calls the passions of our former ignorance and the futile ways inherited from our forefathers. But we have been reborn into a new citizenship, a new life in Christ, one that is alien and often at conflict with this world. Despite this present conflict, Peter calls every Christian, Christians in exile, Christians in persecution, Christians in bad weather and in long lines and hard relationships, Christians with slow Wi-Fi, with poor health insurance, with early morning obligations, with difficult teachers, with difficult students, with inner fears and outward hardships, he calls all of us not to give in to the ease of complaint but rather in faith to speak blessing, to speak good, positive, uplifting words to the Lord because He has caused us to be born again. Exiles of this world, but children of a world that is to come. 
in John chapter 3, a teacher of God's people, Nicodemus, sneaks away in the middle of the night to ask Jesus some questions about his teaching on how one comes into the kingdom of God. And Jesus says to him, as you will remember, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. The only way for you to come into citizenship, the citizenship of the kingdom of heaven, is through being born again. Each and every one of you were born with a heritage, with a cultural and an ethnic inheritance. You didn't choose this, it's just a part of who you are. right? I can't change the fact that I came into this world the son of Eric and Kathy Weber any more than I can change the color of the sky. I did not determine that. And part of the inheritance that all of us receive from our parents is citizenship into a particular kingdom. The kingdom of the dying world. A world that is passing away. We are naturally born spiritually dead. Born children of wrath, as Paul says in the book of Ephesians. And an enmity that is at war with God and His kingdom. And to escape the dying kingdom of this world, we must be born again into the kingdom of heaven. Born into a new citizenship. We must have a second birth. One in which our parentship is not broken and sinful, but rather one that is holy and blameless. When the Lord tells Nicodemus this truth, he responds, Well, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? We couldn't determine our first birth. How can we now determine our second birth? Nicodemus asked. How might we be born again? And here Peter answers that question in verse 3. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why? According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again. Everyone who has been born again must bless the Lord because He has caused us to be born again by His great mercy. Look at the text. Look at the words it says. Who has caused our new birth? The Father of our Lord Jesus Christ has caused our new birth. It is only by the will of the Father that anyone is born into His kingdom. God alone is the cause of our rebirth, our regeneration, our salvation. In relation to God's sovereignty in our new birth, some people might ask, well, you know, are you reformed? Are you a Calvinist? And I hope that each and every one of you here today says amen to those questions. Not because Calvin is an apostle, nor because we blindly follow the doctrines of the Reformation. Rather, because the apostle Peter, by the authority of his office and by the inspiration of the Spirit, says, God has caused you to be born again. Hallelujah, Christian! Blessed be the God and Father who does not idly stand back and vainly wait for His children to cause their own birth. But He has caused us to be born again. Can we enter a second time into our mother's womb? No! But 
God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, has caused us to be born again. And why? What does the text say? According to His great mercy. We can't birth ourselves spiritually any more than we can birth ourselves physically. It is only by God's disposition of favor to us in Christ that we are born again. We are debtors to mercy alone. He caused our new birth because of an overflow of favor and love placed upon His people even before the foundations of the earth. He sent His Son, Jesus, to accomplish this new birth. He sent His Spirit to apply this new birth. There is nothing but God's mercy that could be sufficient to cause us to be born again. It is nothing but God's mercy that could be sufficient cause for the Father to send His Son to die. Could you imagine the Father sending His Son to die because of the paltry good works that you have performed in your life? What deed could you perform that would earn you the infinitely worthy blood of Jesus Christ? What act of sacrifice could you endure to earn the eternal rest of the kingdom of heaven? What gift could you give that would purchase you one square inch or one second of the inheritance of the new earth that is to come? But praise be to God, for by His great mercy... He has caused His people, His elect exiles, to be born again into a new kingdom. How could we ever then complain of injustice or unfairness in this life when our inheritance is of complete and total grace? We have received a new birth that we didn't earn Because Christ died a death that He didn't deserve. We of all people should bless the Lord because of why we have been reborn. His great mercy. And second, we of all people should bless the Lord for what we have been reborn into. Look down at our verse for this morning. It says, According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope. The preposition translated to in the phrase to a living hope may be more accurately translated into a living hope. Prior to our rebirth, we were in the realm of the dying world. A world in which nothing is permanent, nothing is eternal. A world where moth and rust destroy. A world where thieves break in and steal. A world where you can build walls of security only to have them destroyed by time. A world where inflation steals your wealth. Where drought steals your crops. Where wars steal your sons. Where disease steals your vitality. A world where fire steals campus outreach houses. And where death steals it all. But praise be to God, for we have died to this dying world. And by His great mercy, we have been born again into a living hope. 
That is, by our rebirth, we have been brought into ownership of a wealth that will never, ever fade away. A wealth and a security that never dies. We are currently exiles in this decaying world because we are citizens of a living world. Christians, this living hope should cause you to rejoice. It should cause you to bless the Lord even when all the good things of this world seem to be passing away. Now as a parent, you know that your children will cry and mourn about the loss of their baby teeth. It hurts. But as a parent, you don't mourn this loss. Why? Because after baby teeth come permanent teeth, right? While the transition might be hard and the passage painful, ultimately we realize as parents that in this process our children are moving from temporary to permanent. And in this world, as you suffer the hardships of brokenness and sin, don't complain, don't whine as though this is where your permanent hope lies. The suffering of this present world is nothing compared to the permanent glory that is to be revealed to us. Don't complain when the dying world dies. What did you expect it to do? But rather bless the Lord that in the midst of this dying world, you are an exile who has been born again to a living hope, into a city that has foundations, into a citizenship that is abiding. As Peter says in verse 4, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. So why would you ever complain? Why would you ever speak anything but words of blessing to our God and Father? All that we enjoy is just a foretaste of the joy that is to come. And all that we lose or all that we suffer is just a sign that our exile state is coming to an end. The death of this kingdom is a sign of our coming kingdom of life. A sign of our living hope. You see, we are to praise God because we have been born again according to His great grace. We are to praise God because we have been born again into a living hope. And third, we have been born again through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If you look again at verse 3, there we read just that. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. For according to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope. But how? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. God's grace is the cause of our being born again. The living hope is the end or the goal of us being born again. But the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ is the means of of our being born again. Quite simply, it is the historical event that secured our rebirth. You see, it's not sufficient that God the Father desired to bring us into His kingdom. Rather, His desire 
to bring new birth to his people had to be executed, had to be earned by God the Son. You see, you might have a desire to buy a house. You might say, yeah, I want to buy that home. But until the money is secured, you do not receive the deed to that house. You don't own it until the payment is made. And each and every one who is born into this dying world has a debt of sin that chains them down. Like a cursed sailor chained to the mast of a sinking ship, by the guilt of our sin, we are chained to a dying world. We are being pulled down into death by our own sin, by the debt that we owe. But the Lord Jesus Christ entered into this dying world and by the sacrifice of His perfect, sinless, infinitely worthy life, He broke the chains of sin. And by the power of His rising from the dead, He provided a lifeboat from the storm that we might not be drowned in the flood of death, but saved by the ark of His resurrection life. And so all who would be reborn, who would find deliverance from this sinking ship, we must turn to Christ in faith. For by His death you die to this world. And by His resurrection from the dead, you are raised again into an inheritance, into a living hope. An inheritance that is kept for you in heaven. So bless the Lord. For He has not just desired your rebirth, but He has caused your rebirth by securing it through the historical event of Jesus Christ's life death, and resurrection from the dead. Right now, we have a deposit of that new life. We can taste it. We can see it from afar. By faith, we know that one day we will inherit our hope. Even as Christ rose from the dead and is at the right hand of God, we too one day will rise from the dead and enter into the land of the living. How could we do anything but bless the Lord in our exile. But, aren't there times when we can complain? Aren't there times when it's appropriate to tell it just how it is? Doesn't the psalmist himself say, evening and morning and at noon I utter my complaint and moan and he hears my voice. Of course, I don't mean to say that we are to pretend that suffering and hardship are not real. We are not to just keep quiet when there has been a true injustice or injury or abuse. The brokenness of this world means that we will have plenty of legitimate complaints to offer up to the Lord. But in light of God's great grace, to give us a living hope through the life, death, and resurrection of Christ, we, Christian, should have lives that are marked by blessing, that are marked by praise, that are not marked by complaint, but the overall theme of our lives and of our words should be words of blessing to God for what we are going to receive. And so this week ahead, I have a challenge to you. First, 
Take inventory of your words. Do they reflect a life that is invested in a dying world or a living hope? Do your judgments of others reflect one who is condemned or one who is forgiven? Do your words reflect one who is anxious for an unknown limited future or one who has an eternal reward already secured by the blood of Jesus Christ? Take an inventory of your words. There are some things worth offering to the Lord in complaint, but most fade away in the light of His wondrous grace. And the second thing I would challenge you to this week is to begin to speak blessing to the Lord in your time of prayer. Maybe take a few minutes each night this week and praise God for all of His blessings. Don't complain. Don't ask for anything. Not that those things are wrong. We should ask the Lord for things. There are times to complain to the Lord. He wants us to go to Him with all of our needs. But I would just encourage you this week, take time to focus on speaking good things to God. Praising Him for His grace. Praising Him for your new birth in Christ. Praising Him for what we are going to inherit. Praising Him for what He has accomplished in His Son. Praise Him for the food you have, the family you have, the church you have, the home you have. And praise Him for what you know you are going to receive. Praise Him for a living hope that will never fade away. In the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father God, we come to You now at this time, and we bless You. We bless You, Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, because we know that it is by Your mercy alone that we have been born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So we pray, O God, That You would remove from our hearts a desire to complain about this world. And that we would be saints marked by lives of blessing. Lives of hope. Lives of faith. That though this world is dying, we are citizens of a kingdom, of an inheritance that is unfading and kept in heaven for us. We pray this in Christ's holy name. Amen.